Hey, what's up, everyone? Dave here. Welcome to episode 69 of the Pocket Mastermind podcast. On today's episode, I'm talking to Jan Cavell about her entrepreneurial journey uh, and the starting and running of multiple businesses and taking uh, one business from her kitchen table uh, through to multi-million pound turnover um, and all of the lessons that she learned along the way um, and the challenges that, that, that she faced both um, mentally with imposter syndrome uh, from uh, confidence and knowledge um, all of the all of the the great things that the ups and the downs of running businesses um, so I think you'll get a great deal out of this uh, conversation if you do remember uh, please share it with your friends leave a comment and uh, subscribe so you don't miss the next episode uh, so with that let's get on with the show Have you ever questioned why it is that some people seem to have everything they could ever wish for? Health, wealth, love and happiness, but others seem to lack all of these things. Why is it the small minority manage to achieve greatness, but the vast majority fail to reach even beyond mediocrity? What are this small minority doing differently to everybody else? It can't just be down to circumstance, billionaires rise out of poverty. Those questions have been in my head my whole life. And a couple of years ago, I decided to stop wondering and start searching for the answers so that I could help more people achieve greatness in their own lives. So join me and follow along as I uncover the secrets of the minority that the majority aren't taught so that you can apply them to your own life to achieve your own greatness and live the life you want and deserve. My name is David Bell and welcome to Pocket Mastermind. Jan, welcome to Pocket Mastermind. How are you? I'm okay. Thank you very, very much, David. Excellent. So we're going to talk today all about entrepreneurship, what it is, why you should do it and all that, all, the, all of that good stuff. But first of all, let's get a bit of background into you, Jan. So talk a bit about your own entrepreneurial <laughs> journey, I suppose. My entrepreneurial journey is quite a long one. It must be said because I started avoiding going out to work as almost as soon as I had my first job. <laughs> and so I decided, you know, this really was not much fun and I'd much rather work for myself. Um, so I spent the next few years um, occasionally having to get work because I couldn't generate enough income, but the rest of the time doing anything self-employed or running really micro, micro businesses. Um, and we're talking seriously micro and all very, very casual. Um, but, you know, it was good experience. You know, I, I seem to be sort of regularly quote these days, but the more I write about it, the more I look back, actually, you know, they were such hugely useful experiences because I dabbled. I mean, even in fairness, the odd job I took for a very brief while was useful experience, you know, because dabbling in lots and lots of things gave me so much of a varied experience that when it came to trying to do a business site more seriously, you know, I'd had three months in a PR firm or, you know, I'd sold face to face selling sandwiches around offices, you know, or whatever. But, you know, you put a lot together and, and it was like a little bit of a, a sort of mini. Um, like an MBA. MBA, MBA, <laughs> <or> <laughs> um, MBA in, in business, you know, which was quite handy, really. Um, yeah, because a lot of people, I think, you know, as you touch on that, I think a lot of people think, oh, no, if I'm going to start a business, it's got to be the thing. 
And the chances are that the first business you start will definitely not be the last one, right? <laughs> That's for sure. I think it's got very glamorized in, in a way or mystified um, in the last few years with the popularity of uh, entrepreneurship. You know, there have been so many businesses started off, um, you know, as with any trend off the back of that, you know, people teaching entrepreneurship, coaches and incubators and accelerators and business schools and, you know, all of which didn't exist 20 years ago. Um, you know, and you you know, 20 years ago, you just get on with it, you know, if you wanted to start a business, you know, um, I mean, and of course, the regulations were a lot easier then, so you didn't sort of stop off and do that till a year or so later either. Um, you know, so you just started selling something to somebody, you know, and that's what it came down to. But, you know, it was great because actually, you know, it, it does demystify it and it, it really takes you back to the basics. But, you know, if you sell something and you make a profit, you've got a business. Mm -hmm. It seems good to me, you know. <laughs> it's a good, it's a good, simple way of looking it at is, it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It can, it can seem daunting. It can seem confusing. Terribly. Yeah. I mean, all is complicated theorization yeah, yeah. and all this and you know there's no guarantee that it gives you success either you know if it doesn't right. if it all came everybody came out with 100 percent success rate it's fantastic but if they don't no. they never did and they never do it's the same with everything isn't it like exactly 100 success rate yeah so you touched on some of the businesses there what kind of businesses or fields did you have you kind of worked through I dread to think what ones I didn't work through actually when I was working. I mean, what most of the ones when I was working were sort of sales orientated quite often. Um, and, and actually, I suppose somebody in employment agencies recently, and they said that it's absolutely the same. When you get somebody who comes in and in to an employment agency and they can chat a bit, and you know, but the rest of their CV looks like hell, you know, you usually end up asking, offering them a job because, you know, and that's how most employment agencies employ people. Um, and blame the person who told me that by saying it's still the case. But, um, you know, therefore I did quite often work for those, um, you know, because it was sales orientated um, and that was okay. Um, for my own businesses, I, uh, what did I do? As I say, I had a couple of, I had a sandwich business. I had a catering business at one stage. I sold wine for quite a while, freelance. Um, seems to all run food and drink, doesn't it? It does, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's dreadful. I'm there sure I did something else. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it was, it was really anything to, you know, sort of to make a buck and keep me out of work. I mean, I did take, you know, old freelance jobs as well. You know, I got a job um, doing picture research for um, a publishers or for, or for somebody who was doing it for publishers, to be more exact, for a while, which was absolutely fascinating, you know, not something I'd ever thought about that people research books, for the pictures for books, you know, mm, and, yeah. and it was great. I wouldn't have wanted to do it forever, but, you know, fantastic. And so... What was it then? You you tried a few different, you, or you 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 started a few different businesses, and you moved on to a different. What was it then that kind of you allowed you to, or, or you made you decide to um, stick at one for longer? Absolutely, it was kids. Basically, I mean, I'd helped my or worked helped but worked with my ex-husband in in a business, but um, it, when I became a single mom. And my kids were very small. I just didn't want to go out to work. I wanted to be around them. And so I thought, with, with given my background, I thought, well, that's back to selling something, you know, working from home, nice and simple. Um, 
but it it accidentally it grew because I chose something that I couldn't get a decent supply of, but there was demand there, and you know even I could see that that made sense to uh, to to sort out the, the supply, and you know oh you know wow that's growing, and you know I can sell lots, um, and so in the end I ended up going into manufacturing to sort out the supply chain which was sort of a bit back to front, um, <laughs> taking customer service quite far, really. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, so and then ended up growing over, over a period of 20 odd years, I guess. I grew, I grew quite, what was quite a large business at one stage. I mean, I had sort of uh, about 45 people working for me when it was at its largest. Um, which, which was, you know, for given the time, I mean, that that's, you know, what you can do without any business training, um, <laughs> you know, so it really isn't necessary or essential to go through business school. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it was purely driven by, you know, initially keeping a roof over the children's heads and then that got to actually, you know, gosh, if we can sell more, that means uh, a better future for the kids mm. and, you know, and, and it's a good driver. Oh, definitely. And when did you decide to kind of step away from that business? I, well, that was a, it was it was interesting. I mean, and it was a combination of things. I think I I find when you get to depending on sector, when you get to sort of one two mil turnover, the business needs to morph into something else. Um, mm. And you know that's all the serious business of of when it becomes a, a bigger scalable business. And I find that really, really hard for a variety of reasons, which I took a long time to discover. I did actually go back and and start uh, doing courses and actually learning the uh, learning the more official sides of business because I thought it must be my ignorance. <laughs> but I also discovered from other people on the course that uh, actually this is quite common that you know lots of businesses get stuck at that stage. Um, and. The more I looked at it, the more I thought, okay, I can sort this out, I can sort this out, I can sort this out, you know. But actually what it came down to was because I hadn't um, known enough about what I was doing, um, the foundations of the business to, to grow further were not in place and it would have required virtually going back to square one. And by that time, Physically, I was actually blown after, you know, sort of keeping at it for a very long time. And the kids had left home in any case, and I'd sort of lost my way. And so I put the whole thing together. I just thought I've had enough. And um, I had a, an offer to pack it up and I just sort of walk away. I think, you know, done, you know, completely. I, I, in some ways, I wish I'd sort of um, done um, a proper, proper sellout, which I was offered to do about... Um, five years before the end I think and uh you know I should have really taken it and, and but anyway I didn't so it can be hard it to let matter. go though can't it I think um a lot of, a lot of people in that position struggle to let go of that thing because it's the it's the it's the cre it's your creation it is yeah it's your baby and <laughs> yeah. um your you know it's also very scary I mean again for me because it was before I sort of got to contacts and started learning um when I got the first offer and you know there there were these guys you know who dealt with businesses all the time and you know sell businesses before breakfast and you know um 
in, in fairness, actually, it's by far and above the best offer I ever got for uh, got for the business in, in every way, shape, form, and I was an idiot not to take it. But I mean, they're terrified the hell out of me. I thought, you know, I'm setting myself up to be eaten for breakfast, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and so I didn't, you know, it seemed too risky to sign complicated stuff. I didn't know what I was doing and to go into a business deal where I would have been building it up for a year and then being out and, and I just, you know, ah, stay, stay with what I <laughs> No, idiot, idiot, but there we are. You know. Well, we live and learn, though, don't we? That's the whole point. Absolutely. Yeah. Your experience, you're then able to help other people who face a similar situation, I suppose. Definitely. That, it all yeah. serves for a purpose. So let's talk a bit about entrepreneurship and what it is and what it's not and why somebody should consider taking that approach versus the traditional go and work for somebody else approach. Whoa, lots and lots of questions there. Um, yeah. Right, okay. <laughs> well, let's say, I mean, I got, I got, I felt very passionately about entrepreneurship because of my background. It's, you know, it's given me in some ways a, a tough life, but, you know, a, just a wonderful life. I wouldn't have had it any other way. And I got involved in campaigning to promote it. Um, I suppose about 10, 15 years ago, when whenever Cameron and Clegg were were sort of um, Vince Vince Cable was was doing all sorts of government campaigns uh, to promote uh, um, enterprise at the beginning of the Cameron government, and um, you know, I, it was just it made total sense to me that more people should feel that they could take that option. You know, at that time, you know, like we were talking about briefly before, no, nobody. Or, or very, very few people thought it was open to them. Mm-hmm. And so I, I got involved talking to schools and unions and business groups and things, you know, trying trying to put it forward as an argument. Um, I think there's, there's a big additional argument now um, because of what's happened with COVID. Um, but also it was always going to come because of automation and tech and everything else. The job market was going to change massively. Um, you know, and the world is changing massively, accelerated by COVID. But therefore, all the safe jobs, you know, when I was small, you know, everybody um, would, you know, grow up. And I say when I was small, actually, I mean, I had a, a down here in, in sort of um, the back end of beyond, um, you know, I had somebody in a local school who I was sort of offering to do enterprise work for, you know, say only a year or so ago. Oh, but, you know, we've got two of our, you know, year, um, 16-year-olds into the local bank. And I was going, you know, yeah, is that it? You know, for your whole sort of, you know, 120 kids, you know, or whatever. And that's not going to be that safe. Right. And, you know, it used to be the case that, you know, if, if you put so got a job in a local bank, at least, you know, it might not be exciting, but, you know, if that was income for life, yeah. um, you know, and nothing's like that anymore. No. Um, no. You know, I mean, in, in, in many ways... Like, Sorry, like I say, autom- automation is really killing a lot of that mm. stuff. You know, it started off with the the kind of factory based jobs. Yeah, where automation started to come in, and now it's moving into the clerical space where accountancy and and lots of other jobs that have been done by human beings are all being done automatically by AI and computers now. So it is a absolutely. Huge and, you know, I mean, in fairness, who can blame the business owners? You know, there's, yeah. um, you know, there may be the initial investment, but there's no, you know, hassles of, of having a team. You know, it's all automated, which makes a lot of sense. 
Um, but it means that even if you work for somebody, you know, you're A, going to have to upskill and probably sort of change jobs beyond all recognition every five to 10 years. And, you know, your job is going to be continually at risk. Um, you know, so it, it, the, the big argument against um, going self-employed or, or starting a small business that used to be security and safety no longer exists. Yeah. So I think that's really important to, to take on board, firstly. Um, and I think it's a way of two things. I think it's a way of taking back control. Um, and I think it's a way of, it, you know, even if you're starting a side hustle, it's a, it's a way of recession proofing yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that um, if you think, oh, I don't know what's going to happen with my company in the next, you know, five years, you know, having a slow growing stream of income from something on the side. <laughs> means that you know you have a uh, you're in a much stronger place if the awful thing happens that you are called in and told sorry chum you're out mm. you know you've got it you've got actually you're not you're not going to be as as up the gum tree as you might otherwise have been yeah this is true do you think that the story the narrative might be changed has it changed does it if it not but it, it needs to within schools around you know when i was at school in the 90s the story was go to school get good grades get a good job and that was it you know get a good mm. everything was about get a good job not the not that many of us listened <laughs> i can't say can't say we all paid attention to my story. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the narrative has been there and then if you and i, I you know really look at kind of the millennial generation that followed me and they were very much heavily sold the university dream more than ever before. And in record numbers of people went to university yeah. to go into this safe corporate environment that turned out not to be safe because every two years, every company hires McKinsey and co or another consultancy firm to come in and hack a third of their work. Yeah. So they can balance the books again and True. then rehire. And so I wonder whether now we are in that experience where we're kind of oversupplied in the corporate world, whether the narrative is has started to change at a school level or not. It's interesting, isn't it? I mean, it, it brings me back to what I was saying about, you know, because it was just pre-COVID and I'd moved down here and, and volunteered to the local sort of enterprise board and said, you know, I've done all this stuff before. And they, they certainly told me that actually it's completely out of fashion in the schools to encourage um, and enterprise of any uh, entrepreneurial stuff of any sort, not interested in speakers about it, not interested in entertaining it as a possibility again, which is so out of sync of what's happening is just absolutely mental to me, which I did mutter and he said he agreed with me, but I don't know whether he did or not. Maybe he was just a nice man. <laughs> it seems like a bit, it seems more to me like it's just a business funnel for universities to make a shed ton of money. <laughs> yeah. Know? <laughs> yeah, I think you're probably right. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, it's all tick boxes, isn't it? Um, yes. So the, with entrepreneurship, obviously, there's a level of freedom, particularly if you design your lifestyle and your business at the same time and not forget one or the other, because <laughs> you kind of have to consider oh, yeah. the two together, otherwise one's going to swallow the other one. Um, so what are some of the other benefits that you've had from entrepreneurship? Obviously that freedom to choose, but what else would you say? I mean, I think you can actually design a life a lot easier 
you know, you can decide whether, for example, you want a, a small business with a lot of freedom, you know, might maybe even self-employed or, or, you know, just sort of one or two of you, where, you know, you can, I mean, when, when we were that small, I mean, you know, we were, if, if we wanted to go to the pub on a Friday, you know, um, so that's the pub again, Dear me, I don't know, it must be near the end of the week. But, but um, <laughs> It's a lack of being being able to go to the pub for so long. That's the problem. I know. <laughs> yeah, I obviously suddenly got withdrawal system, yeah, exactly. symptoms today. But, you know, we would stop work on a Friday, after, uh, Friday afternoon because we felt like it would make up the time on a Sunday afternoon, you know. But, but that you have that completely sort of lived by design with small business. But obviously it doesn't bring in the big bucks. Alternatively, you can decide, you know, I actually want to aim for the sky and plan out a huge business, which will probably take, a, take or, or a sort of not quite a unicorn maybe, but, you know, that sort of huge growth. <clears throat> and, you know, then you're going to have to focus and you're going to have to live and breathe it for 10 years. But, you know, you've got all these choices that you simply wouldn't have otherwise. Um, <clears throat> and, uh, you know, because it's, you know, a lot of the decisions are made upstairs in the boardroom or whatever. Um, so true. Yeah. So what, what are the, some, what, let's say somebody now listening to this and thinking, well, that, it sounds, I'm tempted. Where? Where would you suggest somebody starts in the thing if they're considering an entrepreneurial route, whether they're in you know corporate role or a business at the moment, or even if you're younger and you haven't even gone into the workplace yet? What would I'm say? I'm very I mean I know I'm old fashioned and uh, about this, but I do still believe that a really good place to start is selling, because so many companies come unstuck that they come up with a wonderful idea for a product or whatever, and, you know, tech, particularly in this day and age, and, you know, we've got this great concept and it's so fantastic. And, you know, but you say, you know, so who's going to buy it? Well, I don't know, but it's fantastic. You don't understand. It's fantastic. It doesn't matter if something's fantastic, <laughs> you know, if, if, you, if it's not a buyable product, if it's not answering somebody's pain. Um, you know, as the, as the saying goes, which um, if you if you don't know, mean, means um, you know, it's, it's some customer or preferably a lot of customers are have a problem that needs fixing, <clears throat> um, and unless you are hitting that pain point, you haven't really got a business, and you want to start by exploring and understanding just how vital that is because because as i say more and more i speak to customers that to, to companies rather who are starting up and and like i say they've got these great ideas and i mean there's a, there's a famous quote by somebody whose name is going to escape me this morning but which says 95 percent of products fail I don't know if that's an absolutely accurate um, proportion, but it is not far off that, mm -hmm. I think. Um, you know, it, the product is immaterial. It's yeah. your effect on the customer. And unless you sell somewhere, it doesn't matter how small, it doesn't matter if it's eBay, a market store, whatever, you don't get that focus on, you know, what the customer wants. And, you know, really successful entrepreneurs have told me, you know, we've set up this amazing tech company, you know, but we got it wrong and we nearly went out of business because we forgot about the customer. Um, yeah. So, so, yeah. 
in this day and age, there's kind of everything's become, there's so much, there's just so much crap out there, isn't there? It's products coming out of everyone's ears. And no wonder no many, so many of them fail. <laughs> absolutely. But so they always did. We just don't know? need. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you're absolutely right. And, you know, coupled with, and, and as I say, I know this is, this is old fashioned of me, but coupled with the fact that, you know, for, for, for us Brits have never liked the idea of sales. You know, it's something pushy, it's horrible, it's, uh, you know, not something nice people do, um, you know, which um, is, 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 I think, unfortunate, um, you know, because that concept of sales is so out of date it's not true you can't i mean with the internet people are, know what's going on they you can't sell like that anyway you can't foist off goods on people with encyclopedia botanical lies um you know so you have to sell properly anyway but you know it's because it's got this bad name people leap to thinking oh well you know if i learn if i learn some clever stuff on the web the stuff will sell itself mm-hmm. and and it just doesn't work like that unfortunately no, no it doesn't you uh, you know solving that that problem that pain mm. is I, I, can't, I can't remember who penned this phrase but it was you don't sell the drill you sell the hole yes yeah buy, love it people yeah. don't buy the drill they buy the end result and the same is with every product you're looking around and you've got an issue and a good place to start is quite often your own issues because how many times do we unconsciously say God, I wish someone would make that or wish someone oh, would yeah. do this better. I wish, why don't we do that better? Why don't we have a go and come up with a solution? We've already identified the problem and it's Absolutely. Of being unique and a special little snowflake are very, very slim. If we've got that problem, lots of other people are likely to. Definitely, David. Yeah, no, you're spot on. I couldn't agree with you more. You know, it is, it is what are you stuck with solving? Yeah. But What's we d- irritated you today? <laughs> exactly. But I think we get, because... We're kind of trained, you know, go back to the school part, trained to go and get a good, get a job. We kind of see it as being someone else's responsibility to solve the problem and provide us with some tap that we can get on Amazon, (laughs) you know. Um, Yeah. (laughs) But but we could, it's never been easier now because access to uh, manufacturers and suppliers is is easier than it ever was there's so many of them they're all over the world there's plenty of them in this country i think we lots of people automatically default to the cheap chinese manufacturers but i think there's a lot of good manufacturers small manufacturers in this country that could make just about anything definitely and you know that i mean that's one of the plus points i mean the tech has, has opened up the entire world it's opened up the entire world for talent that you can get on board if it was a small business you know it doesn't matter if you don't have to be living in the same town anymore unless you've got a, a storefront or something yeah they, when when they reopen but um <laughs> you know you, you can work with anyone anywhere you know, yeah. and create a create a company like that, which is, is astounding. And the same goes, as you rightly say, for, for marketplaces. You can tap into that pain point in Madagascar or Tibet, but it doesn't matter if you find something that's going to sell like hotcakes. That's the other thing you know, that you touched on there is being able to bring in the support to fulfill mm. roles within your business on a freelance basis, effectively, you know, with platforms like Upwork and Fiverr and all of the others that are out there you can then bring in resource at a, at a cost that's not you know it's, it's not prohibitive at all really good pricing and you can you on a needs base you can build exactly. a team on a needs based um, kind of structure 
Yeah, and I think, I mean, without getting too political, I think that's unfortunately where we're out to step in this country at the moment, because there's all this clamping down on the self-employed and a lack yeah. of support for the self-employed, where actually, you know, that's that's precisely what companies need and what companies are using and where people could get work, which is, is a shame. But, I mean, you can still do it if you, if you work it. Um, but, but I think, it, you know, it's, it's wonderful for companies to be able to do that. Yeah. And it, also the freedom for depending on what kind of business you you decide to run, but potentially you could run it from anywhere in the world as well. So you have the ability to travel while you work and you can Absolutely. go to places and go and sit in the sunshine rather than digital nomad the living the dream. Exactly. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, how bad is that? <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely worse things. And you can you can earn decent money and a good, you know, a very good living, even as a, you know, largely as a solopreneur in that kind of Field, you know definitely yeah and particularly you know if you want to sort of upheave and go and live in one of the cheaper countries you know um you, you know you can have an amazing lifestyle on a paradise island somewhere on in one of the cheaper areas you know and working on your laptop you know i mean that's it's just an incredible thought and you can't exactly do that working for the local bank no, no you certainly can't <laughs> what would you say with if you could go back to your younger self when you were starting on this journey what would you what would your best piece of advice be i would have worked a lot harder at um getting rid of my negative voices you know i was very low on confidence and very blocked by imposter syndrome and all that sort of thing um you know and and looking back that was really a bit silly because i got further than a lot of people did um you know, and, and we're all different and we've all got pluses and minuses and all the sort of, you know, obvious things, but I don't now know, but it's taken me a very long time to be comfortable in my own skin and I wish I'd worked that earlier. What was it that's helped you to break through those kind of limiting beliefs and that imposter syndrome? It's interesting that this conversation comes up quite frequently, actually. Does it? Yeah. yeah. And it's an important conversation to have because I think you know limiting the limiting beliefs our own self-doubt is the number one killer of our, of all dreams most people most of us don't even dare to dream in the first place because we believe we can never do that yeah been programmed you know through the education system so the doubt's already been put in your mind that's not what you're supposed to do right so enhance it by our you know we do it to ourselves as a natural safety mechanism anyway i'd be interested to you know how you've kind of moved move through that over the years I think, I mean, I, it, it took me really till I had time, firstly. I think, you know, during the years I had a business, I, you know, you're always, you're always firefighting, you're always scrabbling. And, you know, as I say, towards the end, I was, I was going two steps forward, one step back, two steps forward, one step back, trying to scale the damn thing. And, um, you know, so, so I was constantly questioning, what, you know, whether I was absolutely useless and pointless. Um, and, but, you know, I, I had just as badly when I, you know, I was successful and award-winning, you know, so it didn't make much odds. Um, but once I had time to actually step back from that, um, you know, when I when I stopped having businesses and actually started writing full-time instead, you know, I had time to um, put in much better practices of self-care because um, I was terrible for that and sleep properly and all sorts of things and actually work and, and to, to spend a bit of time working through it I mean I do I'm, I'm an affirmations person um, you know oddly 
I think some in some ways with with my personality, which tends to be a bit bruised, can if I'm not careful. But um, you know, but now you know, I get all woo woo about uh, affirmations. I think they're really, really helpful in in training the mindset, and uh, and I meditate more now, and all that sort of thing, which I would never have had the time or you know to 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 do when I had a business. I, I was terrible for. I think I think a lot of entrepreneurs find it really difficult to see themselves and their self-care as a priority you know because we we tend to think it's it's we've got to put the business first otherwise business will stuff we've got to put our teams first because you know that's other people and you know you forget it you know and and unfortunately that's your undoing in the end yeah and it, it's this but we have to remember that without us if we don't look after ourselves and we feel like everything else comes crashing in eventually, right? You can only sustain it for so long. I so know, you, I know. <laughs> I was I was very proud of it. I think, well, I think most of us are, right? You yeah. think it's definitely something we have to learn. Um, and interesting enough, you know, I was watching a, a documentary last night with Bear Grylls and Johnny Wilkinson. And Johnny Wilkinson was talking about that like, he had terrible fear of failure and all sorts throughout really? his career yeah I mean, oh, you would never believe it would you but one no. thing that's very interesting as a kid a very young kid he wrote his goals down and his goals were play for england win the world cup and a bunch of other things and he yeah. said it went from he used to write them down and then he became so obsessed with them they became they stopped being a want to and they became a must do like he was whole being that's and then but that kind of partly contributed to his fear of failure because he thought he was in case he'd never get it so you can it's i think it's a great example as you talk about affirmations yeah he used a similar kind of thing and from a very young age and those written goals turned into reality absolutely i mean if if it helps anybody i mean as as part of mine um you know i'd always wanted to write before i had a business and everything else and life took over but uh you know when i started using them again sort of four or five years ago now, you know, one of them was to to have a book published. And, you know, this year, what have I done? I've had a book published. So, Amazing. Let's talk so, a bit yeah. about the book then. What's the book? Give everyone a bit of an, exa- uh, an insight into what the book's about. and uh, the, book, the book is called Scale for Success. It's published by Bloomsbury. And it is um, about growing business. In essence, it's it, it's talks about growing a business between one and 10 million, but actually it it is full of a lot of stuff that would be useful to anybody with a business of 100,000 turnover. Um, I wrote it uh, originally because of, of my experiences of, of problems with growth and not putting the foundations in right and everything else. But I also got um, some entrepreneurs I, I know and in the end some others um, from across the globe to, to help with their wisdom and advantages and they tell their stories and which make fascinating reading because they're extraordinary people um, and how they built their businesses and also how um, the particular subject that they talk about because it's all done sort of one entrepreneur per subject um, you know so someone might talk about sales or whatever and how that's impacted on their life and their business and what their tips for anybody else are so hopefully it will help some people in business yeah and, and make enjoyable reading as well i hope <laughs> it's always a bonus <laughs> indeed yeah you want to enjoy that you want to enjoy these 
these uh, the kind of business how-to kind of uh, help books rather than it just being... Yeah, I mean, pe- right? people have said it's, it's sort of not your normal business book because it, it was right. written genuinely for, you know, for people to enjoy the writing and the stories as well as the actual factual stuff of which it's stuffed thanks yeah. to very, very wise people who contributed. Amazing. So what's, um, as you talked about kind of taking on a bit more interest or more focus on your self-care, what kind of... Um, routines have you introduced do you now do you now have a morning routine do you have evening routines do you is it spread throughout the day um i i do i mean i'm in the morning i do my affirmations um without fail every single day um and i meditate every day i was doing that in the mornings but if that seems to have drifted a bit and, and i tend to take a breather and a break i might go back to it but i do a much longer one at weekends um you know even if i do 10 minutes because i'm rushed in the day it's still something it's some chill time and take it take it down a notch um whereas at weekend i might meditate for an hour each day um and then i i walk i'm i'm not hugely physically strong so i don't you know kick around a football or something uh, you know um hugely athletic but i i do walk every day um you know even if it's even if it's local um walking's important i think getting just getting outside is important i've absolutely i yeah. to enforce this more recently because even though i, t- I go I, cy- I go cycling and stuff it's yeah. sporadic because of weather and that kind of thing but what I've tried to do is enforce a walk because what I found during lockdown was sometimes if the, if the weather was bad, so I couldn't get out cycling, I wouldn't leave the house for three days, four days. <laughs> I, was like, I know it's so heard, easy to do isn't it? Friday afternoon yeah. I'm locked in since Sunday. I think this is, this is good for me and it's not good for my mental health. It's not good for my physical health. You know? No, no, absolutely. And walking, you can just get, get up front door, you know, wherever you are. So, so yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm a, a definitely pro walking. Um, definitely good. Um, if you, if you could spend a day with one person, who would that person be? I'm, I, I have to say this is not very exciting, but it's truthful, um, you know, or not very, very exciting to me, but not very exciting for anybody else. But my son lives in Australia, so I'm afraid it would be wow. him. Yeah, i think we i think we can accept that as a good answer to be honest well it's been tight you know particularly tough because we haven't oh. seen each other for a while anyway and and now of course travel's bound between the two and has been for a long time and um you know and you think are you ever going to see them again and it's oh, gets horribly emotional so yeah i'd give give everything for a day with my son right now i know i know a few quite a few people in a similar situation really? with relatives yeah. yeah whether you know i know i've got friends of mine who have moved to australia a few years ago that they you know their families are all back here that they can't see and yeah vice versa so it's siblings parents exactly all it's all over the place very right? tough very yeah, tough yeah, you know it's not you, it's not that you necessarily have traveled though in fact we were planning to but um you know it's it's the fact that you can't makes yeah. you really panicky yes yeah there's no it's not it's no control is it there's no, yeah the exactly choice, and that's yeah the, human beings we're not very good when we don't have that <laughs> no no I'm, I'm terrible absolutely terrible <laughs> it's crazy if it's a before we wrap up is there any final uh, advice you'd give to anybody who 
maybe wants to pursue an entrepreneurial career or is it try it you know definitely try it Uh, you know even if it is a side hustle you know i mean of course course it's not for everybody but you know it might well well you know give you the bug and and if it does you know it's it's like i say it's just to me it's just fantastic and, and and I think it's really really worth considering to have that flexible future these days. Definitely, and like you say, you can you can have a go pretty you know fairly cheaply in a lot of areas. Absolutely, the risk yeah. is the risk is relatively low, and you can do it as a side hustle, as you mentioned earlier. Yeah, you reduce the risk further, but you know, give give it a shot. Yeah, you know, I mean, as, as I'm prone to saying, but, you know, a, a, um, a market stall, selling on Etsy, selling on eBay, all those things, you know, we could take virtually no capital outlay, you know, and and they just get, you know, give you a feel of starting to think, you know, why is why does that work? Why does that not work? Why do customers want that, but they don't want that? And, you know, and you start, it's, it's business training. Um, yeah, so true. Where can people find you, Jan, and where can they uh, get hold of your book as well? They can get hold of uh, me via my website, which is jancavell.co.uk. And um, I'm on all the sort of normal social channels as well, um, particularly Twitter and LinkedIn, but I've got a little bit of a presence on the other two. Um, but and book-wise, uh, Amazon clearly. Um, but any book, good bookstore when bookstore when they reopen is also should have scale for success. Brilliant, Jan. It's been amazing talking to you, and uh, hopefully we'll do it again at some point in the future. Sounds lovely, David. It'd be great. Thank you so much for having me on the show. It's been a real pleasure. Oh, great. I really appreciate you giving up your time, and uh, we'll speak soon. Lovely. Cheers, Jan. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening to this conversation. If you enjoyed it and you'd like to hear more similar episodes, head over to pocketmastermind.com where you'll also find the links mentioned in this conversation. And if you haven't done so already, please leave us a review. It will really help us to get our message out and let more people know about these episodes. So leave us a review, leave us a rating, hit the subscribe button and please share with your friends. Until next time, thank you again for listening.